This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It ain't easy now. How could I move forward when I keep looking backward? I'm just standing still. How can I fight this obsession? Have I not learned my lesson? Maybe I never will. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, thanks for joining us for another BT- BTSC podcast. Wednesday night's podcast is Know Your Enemy. And today I'm filling in for Jeffrey Benedict, and we have our regular Shannon White. What's up, Shannon? Hey guys. Uh, yeah, sounds like GB. He's he's under the weather, so I hate that. And hope he gets feeling well soon. But we're gonna have a good time talking to, about the Browns and the Stiller game and the rivalry, and and uh, we might even trade a little trash talk. You never know. Right. And and, and with with that with that trash talk talk exchange, we have from the from the dog. I'm sorry, Noah. Tell me again. Dog check. Dog check. The dog check podcast. Noah Schaefer, who co-hosts that podcast with Eric Metcalf. Some of you older fans, Steeler fans like Shannon and myself will remember Eric Metcalf. Noah knows the guy personally, but don't remember him playing. That's how <laughs> how, how distant we are from Noah. But he knows his Cleveland Browns, so that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Noah, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your podcast, and just things like that, man. Yeah, so uh, I'm Noah Schaefer. I run an Instagram page called Brown Central. I uh, started that, you know, maybe four years ago. And uh, just last year, I got a got an email and they were like, would you like to join the Dog Check podcast? We have an opening. I was like, let's do it. So me and Eric Metcalf have been, uh, you know, chopping it up for about, I don't know, six months, six, eight months. Uh, we we run down every game, off season, all that. And, you know, I, I'm excited to 
branch out and and do these type of podcasts with with you guys and i've had opportunities to do it with other people in the past so this should be fun oh wow we, we appreciate you joining us um so what like where, where can we find you when are you guys on and stuff so we are on every single podcast platform uh spotify apple music the podcast app uh wherever you get your podcast you can find us there we'd appreciate uh the follow maybe a five star you know i I, i'd appreciate that too but uh you know come over and listen if you want to you know hear what's going on with the cleveland browns is there's a lot to talk about okay yeah we uh you know i've said many times on our podcast i have some really close friends that are browns fans and it's funny a lot of them are transplants you know where their family's from the area and then you know they've moved say in there i'm in west virginia so a lot of them are in the area uh, what is your background? How did you become a, a Browns fan? Is this a family? Uh, are you from the area? What is your story that way? So my mom is from the Cleveland area um, up near Ashtabula. So that's kind of on that, you know, Pennsylvania border. Uh, and she met my dad. They moved up to Cleveland. They got season tickets and apartment uh, close to the stadium and all that. So when I came along, I was born into it and you know, unfortunately, I had to go through all those tough times, but, uh, you know, I, I've stuck with it, and I really enjoy covering them uh, through the good times and the bad. Hey, I, I, I get it, man. I'm I'm originally from Youngstown, Ohio. Mm. And if you know if you know the, the geographics of, of Northeast Ohio, Youngstown is literally right in the middle of Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Yep. And uh, so I have a lot of family that are Browns fans, cousins, uncles, but for whatever reason, and I'm, and I'm a 70s baby, way back in the 70s, my dad was a Steelers fan. So I grew up as a Steeler, and probably 75% of my family are Browns fans. So, you know, we, we get real riled up within the family, text exchanges and stuff like that, group messages about this rivalry every year. Oh, for sure. And, and, I, and, I, and I've been used to dominating it through Roethlisberger time there. But now, man, you guys won one this year. We have to see how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be uh be interesting to see how we can close out the season for sure. So let's let's get into talk talking about what do you guys want to talk about first? You want to talk about this game in particular or talk about your season and our season for a little bit, then get into the game and what it means for both of us. I'm down to break down our season and oh. we'll get into it there. Yeah. Okay, well, why, why don't you go ahead? I mean, okay, I have a question. So far as far as Capital goes and return on investment. Do you think Deshaun Watson has been worth the money the five games he's played or the four games? Uh, five. Okay. And so, to me, you probably think it's just rush. You think he'll come along? Like, just, just t- tell us your thoughts about the team and Deshaun Watson and all that stuff. Yeah, so I think we all kind of knew this was going to be an adjustment. Uh, the offensive line is kind of – they're not used to having to block for a sc- guy who can scramble and uh, use his legs like Deshaun Watson can. So that was obviously going to be the first thing that we're going to have to hurdle over. The wide receivers are used to having somebody who, you know, can kind of drop in that ball from from uh, a high angle. And Deshaun Watson kind of has more of a straight zip on it. So that's also something that we've seen uh, in the Texans game and a little bit in Cincinnati uh, where the wide receivers are going to have to adjust. Um, but as far as his play goes, I mean, he's still kind of getting back into it. Stefanski is trying to figure out how he can use him and get the maximum amount of talent that he can get out of Watson uh, and do the most that they can for this offense. 
I think his since uh, the game against Cincinnati was his best game so far. He had, you know, over 200 yards, the only time so far that he's had over 200 yards. And he looked pretty sharp in the fourth quarter, especially he had a really nice drive and unfortunately couldn't get it done. Uh, but for right now, things are looking very promising. I think that we can do a lot going forward. And I obviously wouldn't say it was worth it yet, but the potential is there. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Nick Chubbs fan. Uh to me, he's the best running back in the NFL. Uh, you know, I'm old school. I'm an old timer. I love the the power runners, the guy with, you know, he's got such incredible contact balance. He's got great acceleration. He's got every everything you want uh, for a, a running back. And they have such a powerful offensive line. Uh, I thought they was going to be able to, you know, I'm kind of shocked at where they're at, you know, record-wise this year. Because I thought that they was – would be more consistent because you can lean on that running game and, you know, play action and, and conservative passing game and then have the defense behind it. Um, kind of like the formula the Steelers have been using in the second half of the season. I think that was the plan, you know, to Watson come along. What went wrong with that plan? What, what didn't work out? Was it the defensive side of the ball or what do you think that the, the shortcoming was, the reason they're not in the playoffs. I think the first six weeks of the season-ish, you can kind of blame that on the defense. Uh, you obviously had the game against the Jets. I mean, you can't, you cannot lose that game. Uh, you're you're up by a big margin, and with a minute thirty-six, you have a, a wide open touchdown to Corey Davis. That was a absolutely blown coverage. Then you have an onside kick that was returned, uh, uh, recovered by the Jets. Can't have that happen. And the special teams unit has been off all year, and they're they're starting to find find their rhythm. But um, the, the games in the beginning of the season is what sets the tone. So when your defense can't make the tackles, they're still getting confused in the secondary, which was an issue that we had when John Johnson first came along. Uh, and these issues can't get figured out. That's where your issues come, uh, and. You know, the offense, I think for the past, I don't know, four weeks, they've been trying to figure things out and they didn't rely on the run game as much. They're trying to get Watson back into the into the fold of things. And that's where it kind of comes apart. Again, the wide receivers, mm -hmm. the offensive line are learning Deshaun Watson. So it's just really inconsistent at the moment. And it towards the back half of the season, like the Cleveland Browns defense does, they tend to pick it up. And with all the injuries that we've had at linebacker and the inconsistencies at defensive tackle and Miles Garrett getting in that car accident, there's just a lot that has been going on. So you can blame it on a bunch of things, but hopefully we can get it figured out next year. Yeah. Um, I'll just go piggyback to what you said a second ago. You said Watson's game in Cincinnati was his best game so far the year. And and I, I would be inclined to agree with you. I mean, statistically, from a from a throwing throwing touchdown perspective, this past week against the Commanders was his best game. But and and you know, so he had three three touchdowns, and you gun you guys won convincingly, I think, by two two tubs. But you know, he was nine of 18, 50 percent completion percentage, and the two passes were to uh, two of the touchdowns were to Amari Cooper. And as far as offense goes, that's what I. I think you guys are missing is that is that explosive player. Amari Cooper's a great route running precision receiver, but you missed that threat of Odell Beckham, that guy, you know what I mean? Who could take the top off the defense, who 
who you have to roll coverage to, you know, and, and open up things for everything else. I think Amari Cooper is, is, is a Pro Bowl type receiver, but Odell Beckham was different. So I, I, I personally thought you guys were more, we, we feared you more when Beckham was the guy, when he was just out on the field. He didn't have a good chemistry with Baker Mayfield. I think he could have could have possibly had a great chemistry with Deshaun Watson. But I mean, so I think you guys. This this is just for me watching. I think you guys best best personnel is twelve personnel. When you got Injoku and Harrison Bryant out there on the field, yep. And you know you kind of playing smash mouth football because that line is great. Nick Chubb, like like Shannon said, is probably top two or three back in the league, if not number one. I mean, I know Josh Jacobs is leading in rushing this year, but still, Nick Chubb is that guy. Yeah, and defensively, <clears throat> again. My 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 perspective, how I've seen it your season, like you guys had a lot of injuries, like the to the linebackers. Mm-hmm. A lot of linebackers hurt. And I know Jadavion Clowney was out for a while. He's not such a big threat in the in the in the rush, the pass rush game, but he's great against the run. So I mean, you guys been dealing with a lot of injuries. You had Watson out for the first 12 games, 11 games, 11 games. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so now you're just kind of trying to find your mojo. And get some continuity going amongst that offense and people coming back from injury and stuff. But it's a shame that it's week 18 already. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's just definitely thought that we would come out swinging. And I don't know. As as the Cleveland Browns fans like to say, there's always next year. So we're just going to have to keep looking forward to that. And uh, I definitely think there was promise this year. But again, everything is going to come together next year. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. The, the the vision doesn't get any easier next year. Mm. I mean, and we talk about that all the time. Cause I I host a show on on the, on the audio site called We Run in North, and we have guests from all the division teams. Like we have probably the toughest division in the league, along with the NFC East this year. But so yeah, we'll we'll see how next year plays out. Now, Shannon, go ahead and let, let's get into this week's game, man. Go ahead and, and take it over. Yeah, I think that everybody expected the other division rivals in the AFC North were thinking, well, Ben's retiring and, you know, Stewart's going to be down for a while and and this is their time to make hay. But, you know, it looks like the Stewart's might have hit uh, on uh, the, you know, not saying franchise quarterback, but as I've said before, if you can build a roster, a strong roster without any glaring weaknesses, uh, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. Those are the two most complete rosters in the NFL right now. You got one. The Niners are winning with a Mr. Relevant. Uh, the Brock last Purdy. week of the draft, Brock Purdy. And, you know, just because he's protecting the ball, he's doing a little bit like Big Ben did back in the day. They've got such a strong roster. They're continuing to win with him. And then Jalen Hurts is progressing. And, and getting better and better. And they've just got such a, you know, strong roster. If you have a guy, a quarterback, who's above average, but he's got, he's clutch. And he's got that it factor. You can win a championship with that. We've talked recently, the Niners got there with Jimmy Garoppolo. And he had a chance in that Super Bowl to win that game. And, you know, the, the win was on his arm and he missed the throw. So you never know till the guy gets there if he has that type of clutch and the it factor to get you over the top. But Pickett's showing signs. Um, has the Browns 
if you're hearing anything, any talk about Pickett or who are they talking about this week and who are they most preparing to shut down, I would assume it's the running game because of, you know, Harrison Warren had such a big game against the Ravens, which never happens. Uh, so the Steelers running game is really coming around. Uh, what talk have you been hearing coming out of uh, the camp? Yeah, I mean, Kenny Pickett is electric. So you are going to have to do everything that you can to stop Kenny Pickett. And he can he can roll out. He can do it all. Um, but I think the biggest thing is the Steelers have, like, a lot of guys who, have, who are low-key, but they can produce. Like, I think – Deontay Johnson hasn't necessarily had the year that people expected, but he's still fantastic. And George Pickens had a phenomenal catch against us earlier in the year. And mm-hmm. that is kind of putting everybody on notice. And like you said, TJ Warren, he's a great pass catcher. And Najee Harris is can kind of do it all if he's on. Benny Snell, I didn't expect him to do much, but he's gotten in there too. So mm-hmm. there is just a lot of guys on this team and Pat Fryermuth who – we are going to have to be aware of. And with our defense kind of playing how it is, it may be a challenge for them. No, I, I, I completely agree. Pittsburgh has quite a few good players in the skill position. I think our, our offensive line is in there. They've been playing good for the past since after, after the bye. I mean, uh-huh. but if, if, if you want to talk about the, the biggest need on our team, I'd say it's probably the O-line. Yeah, I uh, our defensive line has kind of kind of been wonky. Miles Garrett is definitely the one who's carrying. Uh, hey man, what's 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 going on with Miles Garrett? I hear a lot of noise and chatter up there about him. I don't know exactly what what. That's why I'm asking you. Like, is there anything going on with him? Uh, are you referring to him sitting out for the first series? Maybe that's probably what it is. Yeah. Uh, so Miles Garrett was dealing with a uh, illness. Uh, about, about a week ago, and apparently he didn't communicate it, communicate it properly to the team. Uh, so when the injury reports came out, he didn't have an injury designation, and you know you can't really do that if you know you're injured and or you're sick, whatever. Uh, the team has to know about it. So he didn't tell the team. They find him. They sat him out for the first series. Uh, I I don't really think it's you know much to look at but Stefanski has had a, a track record of doing that this season he sat out Perry on Winfrey for some disciplinary issues that never really got explained uh and I don't know I don't that's, think that's that's, that, that's your Ricky D line right Perry yep. on Winfrey yep okay. yeah so uh, everything seems to be fine miles garrett said it was just a miscommunication he has to be better and he thinks the team you know kind of misconstrued it a little bit but everything seems okay right now okay well i'm i'm anticipating this matchup to be like you guys have kind of already foreshadowed um to be a slugfest mm-hmm. like you did you guys want to run the ball with nick chubb you know what i mean and and kareem hunt and we want to come in and run the ball with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. And, you know, um, on the last time Deshaun Watson was in Pittsburgh, I believe it was 2020 with the Houston, Texas, he threw for two touchdowns and also two interceptions. I think he was sacked maybe four times. And they ended up losing that game. But it was a competitive game. And I think I think you guys have a be- – well, I know you guys have a better roster than Houston had in 2020 and now even. So, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting a, a, a really, really good game. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Competitive game. I don't know. But what do you think, Shannon? Well, just to drop back uh, for just a second, what we were talking about earlier, you know, the offensive line Sunday against the Ravens was the first time that Najee Harris has ever run behind an above average offensive line performance. The Steelers last year, I don't know how know how closely you follow the Steelers, um, but they have the worst offensive line in the NFL. Uh, it, you know, the only reason they were even functional offensively <laughs> was because Ben was getting rid of the ball in 1.5 seconds. Um, everybody knew it. The fact that he was still able to get him to the playoffs was a miracle. Uh, that was one of his greatest performances at his age with that amount of talent around him, lack of talent. It was all him and T.J. Watt and, you know, Defensive Player of the Year performance. This year's team is much more talented. Now, they're very young. And, you know, there's the the warts that come with being that young. But the offensive line uh, with the new guys they brought in, James Daniels and Mason Cole, um, to add to the other young guys they had, uh, are starting to gel. And they've had the good fortune of being healthy to where they've pretty much played all the snaps this year. So they're starting to reap the benefits of that. Um, my concern is this, the Steelers defense has got some age in places that they really need to rebuild that defensive line. Um, you know, because uh, Ogunjobi might be gone. He's a free agent. Hayward's not getting younger. A little loose finished. Uh, so they really need to focus on that defensive line. But one of the things people are overlooking, they need a cornerback one. They need a CB1 desperately. When they play a team that has an elite pass catcher uh, and a quarterback to go with him, they've struggled. Now, they did shut down Adams uh, for uh, Devontae Adams for the Raiders, uh, but they run, you know, roll coverage to him and they really focused on shutting him up. Uh, and then Carr, you know, made some bad passes and threw some interceptions. But when they played uh, uh, Cleveland the first time, they Cleveland had a lot of uh, success with Rochette throwing to um, Cooper. And Cooper is the type of receiver who can get open instantly against our coverage. And and so I think they really need to focus. You know, again, if Cleveland beats them with the second or third best receiver, that's fine. But they really need to focus on taking Cooper away. Um, I think it'll be a little bit easier than it was last time, honestly, because of the way Watson throws the ball. As you said, he doesn't have that touch to get to that soft level of the field, you know, uh, over the first layer of coverage and in front of the, the deep coverage. Uh, he struggles with that some. Uh, the passes he hit against the commanders to Cooper were where he could just drill it in there and Cooper would catch it and then, you know, yards after the catch, make somebody miss, take it to the house. So, um, do you see how are you seeing Watson Cooper connection? How's that relationship developing? Yeah, I think that it could be, you know, a, a top five wide receiver quarterback duo uh, going into next year. This year they've, they had some miscommunication issues in, in the first two games. Um, again, it's just getting used to a new, new ball thrower. Uh, but Cooper is able to adjust 
very quickly. I mean, he's a veteran. He's been on two teams already. This is his third. And I think he's really kind of settling down and doing everything that he can to ensure that Deshaun Watson is his best self. Uh, against the commanders, there were, I will admit Cooper's two touchdowns. It was kind of busted coverage from the commanders. It wasn't necessarily anything that Cooper did. Um, but Watson was able to have the vision to see him open on the sideline. And, and as you said, he kind of struggles with finding that soft area in the coverage. Uh, so it was kind of nice to see him just kind of drop it in there and Cooper doing the rest. Uh, and I will say again, if he didn't have those two throws, his stats wouldn't have been that fantastic in that game through the ball 18 times. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe he was like three for 10 at some point. Not, not very good numbers. Uh, so Amari Cooper is going to be a big factor in how Deshaun Watson develops in Cleveland. And right now they're doing a fantastic job. So going, going back to, to your defense, like, how do you feel about you guys secondary? I know uh, Denzel Ward had a great game this past weekend, starting to come along. I, I always like Del Pitt coming to LSU, mm. and you drafted the kid out of Northwestern last year, year before. Yep. And I like the guy from is it Mississippi State? Was it Emerson? Yep. I like He's him too. Mm. Yeah, and he was thinking it was like a fourth or fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, so what like what do you think about your secondary? How 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 do you as a fan like like Cleveland secondary? We definitely have a lot of guys that are able to get in there and, and be scrappy. Uh and I, I think one of the, the biggest things is like I haven't necessarily seen a cornerback room that has the fluidity that our corners do in their hips and their movement and all that. They're very sticky. So Denzel Ward hasn't Definitely hasn't had the season that we were expecting. A lot of people were calling for him to be traded after getting a $100 million contract. Simply not happening. Uh, but he, he's turned it up. Uh, Martin Emerson has a tendency to be a little handsy, so I, I'm going to be interested to see that George Pickens-Martin Emerson matchup mm-hmm. if it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both guys that they talk a lot. And yeah. we interested <laughs> to see what happens. Um, so Greg Newsom. He's been pretty good. Uh, again, not necessarily the year that we were expecting, but he hasn't done anything egregious. And Grant Delpit is coming off of his uh, the best game of his career, uh, 92.3 PFF grade, I believe. Uh, he, he had two interceptions. He was plugging in all the, the run fits and all that. So this secondary has turned it up from the first half of the season. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do going forward. And in this game against the Steelers, I think it is going to be crucial that they are sticky, they are physical, and they get in there and just try to frustrate the receivers a little bit and, you know, be smart. There's two young cornerbacks uh, in the AFC that has really impressed me this year. Emerson's one of them. And uh, the rookie – well, yeah, yeah, but we knew he was going to be great. Oh, okay. So- we knew we knew he was going to be great. I'm talking about Mathis for the Denver Broncos. Yeah. He's for Pitt. You know, he played for the Panthers. And I knew he was very athletic, had excellent speed. But the thing that Emerson and him both have – now, Mathis is shorter. Emerson's got good length, too. But they are ultra competitive, and they hound that – whoever they're covering – 
the whole time. They jam them at the line. They they just hound them. Uh, they're perfect for the modern day NFL. Uh, as you said, a little handsy, get a few penalties here and there, but you trade that off for that aggressive coverage. See, the stores do not have that. They don't have anybody with the speed to do that style and stick with the guy. Uh, all the stores, uh, cornerbacks are limited in that straight, tight, man-to-man coverage all over the field. Um, and Emerson and Matthews, neither one was a first-round draft pick. Uh, that shows that if you know you got the right scouting department, and then you got the right guys to develop them when you get them in house, because both of them had you know their their weaknesses that dropped them down in the draft a little bit. But you you know both of them guys showed that determination, and they got that dog in them. And Emerson, he is so competitive. So I expect that to be a great matchup because I think that's who they'll have on pickets because mm-hmm. we'll be on Johnson. And, and I'm really looking forward to that because he's got the length and athleticism to match up with Pickens, and both of them are fiery personalities. So I think that could be a really good matchup. My uh, Besides Cooper, which I think the stewards are going to try to roll coverage to, um, the tight ends, um, I can't say his name. Um, Njoku. Njoku. Yeah, he is... Uh, could be a real problem. He was a problem last game. Now, the Steelers have had good luck uh, in results when they put Terrell Edmonds on the best tight end in coverage for the other team. Uh, you know, he's had extra responsibilities this year. And, you know, like Mark Andrews, he he really put a hurting on whoever the Steelers had on him, including Edmonds last Sunday night. Uh, but, you know, he's one of the top tight ends around. But I'm anxious to see, because uh, he's had really kind of a breakout season for the Browns this year, hasn't he? Yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, he yeah. just he just he just got paid too. He was franchise tag coming to this season. Yep. Yeah, I uh, there was before he got that extension, he requested a trade, and uh-huh. we weren't going to do that because we knew the talent that he had. I mean, there aren't necessarily a lot of tight ends that are getting picked in the first round um in any draft and you know we took a chance on him and it paid out so he's definitely been special this year i think there is kind of a, a lack of a connection with with watson um and njoku right now but that will obviously get fixed uh and when it does get fixed it's going to be scary so in this game i think it is going to be crucial that they do find their connection and they just kind of find any weak spots that they can in that Steelers defense to, to get some big plays. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking like, I'm thinking like we need to, we need to take a pause for a break real quick, pay some bills and we're not going anywhere. If you're watching on YouTube, stay with us and we'll be back in 10 seconds. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. 
the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for coming back to Know Your Enemy podcast. We have our have our guest, Noah Schaefer. We talk about this matchup this weekend from both teams' perspectives. And now, Shannon, go ahead, man. How, how, how do you want to carry the, the rest of the episode, man? Well, I wanted to ask, Noah. Uh, now, you're a, a – I'm going to say a lifelong – you're a young man, I know, but a lifelong Browns fan. Um, have you ever threw a dog biscuit at an opposing <laughs> team? I'm I'm not that lethal, uh, but I know people who would. I definitely know people who would. Oh, there's been uh, dog biscuits. There's been dog bones, yeah, batteries. Uh, there's been batteries. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you know, and it, but here's the thing. Like I said, I have some dear friends that are uh, lifelong Browns fans. I have the utmost respect for all of you guys because you know the Steelers before my time. They were the laughing stock of the NFL. They were the worst team, you know, out there. And so the seventies was like their, you know, revival. Thank the Lord they've they had the success they've had since then. Um, I've often sit around and people will talk about the Browns fans. The Stiller fan base, we you have fair weather fans in any fan, you know, in any fan base. And but you know, the Browns have went there's not been much fair weather even. So you know, I respect that. Uh, I respect loyalty. Uh, that's one of the things that I think are, is the most important that makes being a fan special. So I, I really, you know, we joke and we peg and it's a rivalry as far as, you know, the division opponent and everything like that. Uh, and everybody talks about the brown stains or whatever. We all do that. And it's it's fun. It's in good fun. But, but I do, I want to say I do have respect uh, for – the Browns fans, because, you know, it's one thing if you've won six Super Bowls, it's another if you've never won one. And, you know, I mean, uh, not all fandoms created equal. Let's just be honest. Yeah, and, I uh, can. I'm sorry. No. I, I was just saying, yeah, I, I can piggyback off, off what you're saying, because like I said about my family, I have I have cousins and I'm and they're, they're in their they're in their early to late 40s, a lot of them. And, you know. So some of them are old enough to go back to the Bernie Kosar uh-huh. Browns, but you know, but outside of that, once we came out, once we came out of like 87, 88, it was tough sledding outside of maybe one or two years that Belichick had. I'm guessing Noah, the only playoff win he's probably ever seen was the one in 2020 against Pittsburgh. Yep. If yep. is that right? Yeah. Yeah. See, <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy when you put it in, in context like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and you guys are true blue loyal fans because, yep. and and I, one of my cousins I talk about, he calls me every every summer from Barre, Ohio, to talk about how good this rookie is. He's at he's at the you know training <laughs> camp watching and stuff, and he's just he he he, he probably had a few too many beers and talk about oh man we gonna whoop you guys this year we gonna whoop you guys and this was every year through the Ben Roethlisberger years you know what I yeah. mean so it really never panned out, but you guys are definitely. True blue loyal fans. Yeah, we appreciate that. It uh, <laughs> has not been easy. Uh, I think 
it, it definitely takes a toll on on our mental yeah. health going into some of these games. Uh, and you can find that on Brown's Twitter. I mean, my goodness, after a bad loss, we're like ready to give up. We're throwing our hands up in the air. We're blaming whoever we can. Uh, but we're we're excited that we have a, a team that we can finally cheer for and, and have some promise. You do. You guys do. What do you think about, you know, I know different people were not happy with the Deshaun Watson. Uh, signing, uh, you know, uh, when you have a franchise with the reputation, uh, you know, such a little fan base, but the reputation of losing, and you, you know, you got to do something drastic at some point to change the narrative. And I believe that that the Browns seen an opportunity, and the Haslam said, "Okay, we got to do something," and so they went ahead and pulled the trigger. Um. Some people I did was not happy with that at all, but, uh, you know, I'm not hearing as much, you know, murmuring about it. And now they're looking more the finishing out this year and, and building towards the future. If you could, you know, what is your opinion based on what you've seen this year? What do you think the next step that they need to take, uh, in this, you know, building towards a championship, They've got, they've got, they feel like they got their quarterback now. Well, you know how great their running game is, and all that. But what would you say would be the next number one priority to build a championship in Cleveland? Well, I, uh, I first kind of want to touch on the the kind of how we Browns fans feel about Deshaun Watson and all the luggage that he's he's brought over. Um, when you heard the talks about. The Cleveland being in the mix and the Haslam's doing everything they can to meet with Watson. I think everybody was kind of like, let's do it. Why not? And then the allegations start to come out and then that's where it falls apart. Uh, the initial reaction when he was traded here was, oh, this isn't good. We can't, you know, we're not going to be able to win like this. We're going to have a bad, bad era, uh, uh, bad mantra and all that stuff. Mm whatever. Uh, and when Watson does bad, I was at the Ravens game where we didn't put up a lot of points and we had some red zone failures. People are like, we spent $230 million on this guy. This is stupid. Why would we have a coach who can't even coach up a dual threat quarterback, all this stuff. There might be regret, but when we make the adjustments that we need to in the off season to go into next year, people will, I think they will change their minds because the only thing that Cleveland wants is a championship and this roster can definitely do it. I think right now we need to get a wide receiver too. I love Donovan Peoples-Jones. He is fantastic. He has the catch radius, the agility, everything. But he does not have the separation. So we need somebody who can separate. Brandon Cooks, I mean, he's had some turmoil in in Houston. Obviously played with Watson. They were fantastic. Bring him in. Mm -hmm. Jalen Hyatt is somebody that I'm high on in the draft. Browns owner Jimmy Haslam loves the Tennessee type offense. He's a Tennessee alum. I think that would be somebody who they would be willing to trade up for if he's kind of in that low 30 area. He has fantastic speed. He is so fun to watch. It is exhilarating to see him play. So you get a wide receiver too. I think you're really set. Defense, you got to get a defensive tackle. There are so many defensive tackles in this in this free agency class. You got to go out and get one. 
De'Aaron Payne, uh, Javon Hargrave. There's so many people that you can get. You need to make a splash. I don't really care how much money it costs. Go get somebody. And I think one more young linebacker doesn't hurt. I mean, we've had some injuries. Jacob Phillips has really not been what we were expecting. I was kind of questioning the pick when we made it, but he just has not panned out. And Anthony Walker has had some injuries. And Deion Jones is playing with a, a bum shoulder that he had surgery on. And he's starting to get back to his old ways, but there is a question long-term and we would have to create a, a new contract for him just kind of based on how his old one was structured. So those are really the only areas that I think we need to make adjustments on. I think edge, we could find another edge, uh, but doesn't need to be anybody spectacular, just a young guy that we can plug in there and he can, you know, go out and, and pressure the quarterback and let miles eat uh, and let our new defensive tackle eat. So this team is really, really close to being special. They just need to be big spenders and go all in, in this off season. The fancy is a guy to take you there. See, that's the other thing. I, uh, <laughs> I was going to ask that too. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I, I really think you have to give him another year. Um, but I, you need to bring in another offensive specialist that has a voice and can like, you know, speak up and get these guys where they need to be. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of accountability on this, on this coaching staff. I think Stefanski is kind of a buddy, buddy type coach. And sometimes it takes some tough love and there doesn't seem to be some tough love. Uh, so I'd like to get somebody else in there who is creative with the route trees and getting guys open and really playing to these players' strengths because Stefanski is smart. He is one of the more efficient coaches in the NFL. And, I mean, you look and see what he did with Baker Mayfield, and that was spectacular. I thought Baker Mayfield was going to sign a five-year, $200 million extension. You know, he, he could have been that good with us uh, pre-injury, but he definitely has the capabilities to turn this offense up. So you have to give him another year. And if he can't execute – in this next year, then I think he's done. Yeah, you watch the – it's funny. You talked about any fan, and, you know, and it's funny how everybody's like, the offensive coordinator, they need another offensive voice. They need – you know, the, the Steelers are, are in that same boat, obviously. Um, and, you know, a lot of times when the talent is, is executing, you know, you don't hear much about the offensive coordinator. Uh, it's when they're not uh, – you know, that you do. Um, I'm kind of wondering how much of the, you said they need another offensive voice. Um, and from what I've watched, and I do try to keep up with teams in the division, especially, um, you know, I'm not obviously going to be as knowledgeable about the Browns as yourself, but it seems like that a lot of their issues, like the one game against the Steelers, they, threw the ball a lot in the first half and the Steelers was hanging with them. Uh, and I was like, I mean, they're doing the Steelers a favor because if they lean on that offensive line and lean on Chubbs and hunt, you know, I don't know if the Steelers can stop them. And in the second half, we seen that, you know, they started to really lean on that and, and they controlled the game in the second half. Um, I don't know if that's an offensive coordinator issue. Um, if that's the head coach issue or a combination of both, but now they definitely 
need to adjust, as you said, because of Watson's dual threat ability. Mm-hmm. And and to build that offense around him and his skill set, because he had success play action and stuff like that with Houston. But I've not seen much of that, but I haven't watched him real close. Have Has he been utilizing any play action? You know, would you really, when you got a dominant running game like they have, uh, you think that he would they would have had some of that in there. I know Brichette ran some, but has Watson been running any since he's been in? Um, I think, you know, they have started to open him up a little bit. Uh, in the Commanders game, I think he only had like 36 rushing yards, but they were designed plays and not just kind of scrambling stuff. Uh, so, yeah, you, you definitely need to – utilize him a lot more and maybe that's just they're saving it for next year Uh, again a lot of this stuff that we are doing is going to be for next year so you don't want to put a lot of that on tape obviously uh i don't i don't know i definitely think that you need to allow him to run there are a lot of plays where we are running curl routes on like third down and you just can't do it because we have again donovan people's jones who can make those contested catches but can't separate and get himself away. Amari Cooper, they're obviously going to be looking for Cooper. You just have to get more creative. And in the red zone, we saw like a lot of stuff where you're doing direct snaps to hunt or uh, Chubb and you're bringing in a a pulling tackle Mm -hmm. and all that type of stuff. And then you don't see it the next week and you fall short in the red zone. And then that's a time where you need those creativity, Mm -hmm. you know, that creativity. It's just consistency, and I think that this offensive staff knows what they're doing. And I obviously don't know what is going on in there, but from the looks of it, you need somebody else who is going to say, I can take over this play calling. I can you know, lead you and give you advice to call better plays and get everything that you can out of this offense. I just don't think it's happening right now. And – it just it just needs to be fixed. And I, again, I don't think that is going to be fixed by bringing in a completely new head coach. You just need you know maybe one more guy in there that can collectively work with everybody. And like a, a Bill O'Brien, I know he's not going to probably not going to be taken away from from Bama. But if you want to explore the the option, do it. Bring him in as an offensive assistant, maybe a new offensive. I don't care, but find somebody that can collectively work with your staff and get the most out of everybody that you can. I think that's uh I think that sounds like sounds like a good plan, man. If they were to go down that go down that road. Um I think Deshaun Watson is best served like like Shannon said, play action because just because of the the awesome line in the ring game that they have with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But also some some bootleg action, some naked boot, some you know some boot get them outside the pocket rolling out. I mean, he, he's pretty accurate on, on the on you know on on the move. Watson is, and I mean you have to respect it with those running backs in that line. So yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot of things that some new ideas could 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 benefit the Browns from. Could benefit the Browns could benefit from. Yep, one hundred percent. And those tight ends that we have love our our bunches and all that. That's extra blocking, and Donovan Peoples Jones has grown as a blocker, so you can definitely run those play action plays uh, and make him comfortable and give him as many options as, as he needs uh, to be successful. Okay. Shannon, you got, you got anything else? I mean, because 
I have a question about the Steelers. I've been dying to ask. I want to ask Shannon. And uh, we talked about this on our on the We Running North podcast. Can I go ahead and ask it? Yeah. Because we 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 talked briefly, like Noah made made mention of some of the things the Browns need. So what do you think, Shannon, some of the things pieces the Steelers need going into next year? Well, we already talked about it a little bit there uh, earlier, but a, a, a corner shut down. Corner. Well, yeah, I mean, you 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 look at it, and last year was a an offensive focused offseason. You know, Kevin Colbert wanted to leave the stores in the best situation he could. Now, man, wasn't perfect. Uh, he let the foundations of the offensive and defensive line deteriorate by not, you know, using utilizing top early round selections on it, you can, you got to keep the foundation strong and the Steelers have suffered for that because of that for the last five years. Um, you know, they went from having one of the best offensive lines of the NFL and it just kept getting worse. So I, I'm really impressed with Pat Meyer, the new offensive line coach. I'm impressed with James Daniels and Mason Cole's additions. Uh, uh, a core is playing better than he's ever played. And it's incredible that he's still 24 years old. I mean, you know, he's been in the league. This is year five, and he's getting ready or or just turned 25. Um, they're, everybody's 26 or younger on the offensive side of the ball. So this year, it definitely needs to be a defensive-focused draft to get younger and stronger on that defensive line. Uh, they need a huge upgrade. You know, depth's great everywhere, but they need a huge upgrade in inside linebacker. Uh, I really like Chad Muma last year. Uh, there's been other guys, Collins, the year before. The guys that are the more modern, there. you know, hybrid, you know, they have Buck and Matt capabilities, uh, and they don't have to come off the field. You know, those guys are hard to get, and you usually have to spend a top two pick on one. So, so, so that 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 really segues into my my actual question for you. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I agree with you. We do need some defensive pieces. You mentioned earlier defensive line. Mm-hmm. You said something about a corner. Mm-hmm. And now you're talking about, you know, uh, inside linebacker. Yeah. And I agree. All those positions could benefit us. All line could benefit us. But my question is, think about the Cincinnati Bengals model a couple years ago where they, they took Jamar Chase for Joe Burrow. If I knew where you was going. <laughs> yeah. If, 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 if Jordan Addison was available, say a pick – 18, we're somewhere around 16, 18 right now. Uh-huh. If he was available, do we take that one pick and try and get him to get picket comfortable then have that, you know, have those three wides with Deontay Johnson, Pickens, Addison, and hopefully Calvin Austin III will come back next year and, and be a factor. Yeah, well, you, we can't count on Austin because we just don't know right. uh, what he'll be. But, I mean, that speed is electric. And that, you know, if, if, they, if he has the – the physicality to play at the NFL level, those guys that are super fast, his frame, he might can add, get up to in the 180s, you know, add about 10 pounds of muscle, and he might can take the pounding because his speed will play. But we just, you know, until you see him do it, we just don't know. Um, I, one thing I'll say about that first-round selection, and I, I figured you was going to ask about Addison, <laughs> uh, is because the Steelers have kind of done – the Cincinnati Bengals, they're kind of copying their rebuild. The Bengals right. did it backwards. They got the skill position in the quarterback, and then they built the tried to 
strengthened the line this past offseason. Mostly in free agency. Yeah. And so the Steelers actually have some money to spend, uh, or they will have. They uh, have some draft capital, maybe some valuable draft capital. If somebody like Noah was saying the Browns want to move up to that early second-round pick that the Steelers are going to have, thanks to Chase Claypool trade, you know, you might get, get a couple additional picks. The more picks you have in the top 100, if you w- look at the teams that rebuild quickly, the more picks you have in the top 100, the quicker your rebuild is, the more successful. Th- there's just something about that top 100 range. Well, if you if if you if you remember that that draft, I think it was was a 2020 draft or 2021? 2021. Mm-hmm. When they took Jamar Chase, everybody thought they needed an old lineman. They did. They went on to take uh Panay Sewell from Oregon, who went to Detroit. Yep. But they went ahead and took Jamar Chase and it worked out excellently. They went to the Super Bowl his rookie year. I'm just wondering, is that is that a, a model that we can duplicate? I know we would sacrifice the first round pick taking the receiver and then getting getting those other those other shop for those other groceries in the in the with the last pick of the well, first pick of the second round and our second yeah. round pick and the third round pick. Well that's what I was getting at. Um I, you didn't let me finish. Okay. Um, <laughs> that that early pick it, it could be 32, depending on what happens this weekend. That's highly coveted. And you can pick up hopefully two picks for the one uh in the early rounds. If you could get a generational talent in the first round, you have to consider it. Now, like if you've got a franchise quarterback, you're not going to, you know, pick an, uh, another quarterback or something of that nature. But even if the wide receiver, I do not consider a high priority. If Addison was to be there and we know the chemistry that he has with uh, Pickett. And after we see the combine, we haven't seen any of that yet. Uh, after they do all that, if he if they consider him a generational talent, you would have to consider that in the first round. You know, again, you can base it off of the Bengals' success with uh, Chase, and you know that set them up. They're going that's going to be a great connection for years. And if they if Stewart's think that they have that caliber of connection with Pickett and Addison, I, I don't. The reason I would be against it is because of the need, serious need. You don't want to pick by need. You, you know, everybody says best player available. Yeah, best player it's really available. best player available at an area of need. You know, I, I, I think. Because they, they, it has to correlate. Uh, again, because the need has to be there. Um, I'm not as fond of Deontay Johnson as a lot of people are. Because he has no run after the catch ability. He can get open. He's a good position guy. And I think he has real value as a wide receiver, too. Pickens needs to be wide receiver one. He's the splash play guy. He's the big play guy. He's a contested catch guy. And he's ultra competitive, which is so important. Pat Fryermuth will be the, the uh, security blanket. You know, he'll be the guy that, that both of them guys are going to have a special connection with Pickens. I mean, Pickett. So that leaves Deontay Johnson who should be able to feast on these cornerback uh, two and three matchups as a wide receiver too. He's, he was miscast. They tried to use him like a wide receiver one and Deontay Johnson is not a wide receiver one. And, but he could be dominant as that wide receiver too. So what right. you would actually do is what are you going to do with Deontay Johnson? If you take Addison? Well, if you're asking me, I mean, well, we, we've already paid him for two years after this year. So he's two more seasons. I mean, he, you could maybe get some value for him in the trade. He signed for two years. 
I you know I'm just I'm just I'm only asking about the question because of because of the Bengals model and what they did. Yeah, yeah. And and the obvious connection that that Burrow and Chase had at LSU, and the obvious connection that Addison and Pickett had at at Pitt. Yeah. So you know, just 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 the question. See, oh, yeah. what your yeah. thoughts were. I mean, if if you're asking me, I'd like I'd like to see see a O lineman. I think a lot of the D line will be going by the time we pick. People thought we were gonna have a top five pick, and we we got out of that. We're not gonna have a top mm-hmm. five pick, but I wouldn't mind like Joey Porter Jr. I like Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State mm-hmm. as a as a as a coverage corner. He's physical. He you know he 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 tackles well and stuff like that. And we know he has pedigree. We know. The yep, Steelers yep. organization and Tom and stuff, they like that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. There's a the Steelers, you know, they know uh he has that mindset. He understands the Steeler way. Any ties to the Steeler way and the Steeler culture, yeah, they like that. And uh, you know, that's why when they took Connor Hayward, I was all for it because Connor has that mentality, he knows the way, and he's that all-around glue guy. That every team needs. Just a he's football player. He's the guy you go out there, you ask him to do anything, he's like, I got it. Right. You know, and I told everybody that they're going to love him when he gets some big kick out blocks. And, you know, and he's, you see that extra effort throwing a block or a special teams tackle. I mean, that's, that's who he is. Right. And, uh, and I think he, you know, he could be even more valuable with more experience. But uh, I've been very uh, excited about that. And, and again, like you said, uh, Joey Porter Jr. is, you know, he looks like the real deal. So, you know, again, I'm I don't really start to do my evaluations like on our side or anything until after the combine. Right. Because, you know, that combine, so many things, players that we're all oh. expecting to be it, here. It, 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 it exposes a lot. <laughs> yeah, they, they move so much uh when when on that stage. And sometimes it's because they just don't respond well to that that's the biggest job interview of your life. You know, that is in, intense pressure. And it, it, some guys rise to the occasion and some, you know, they freeze up and they tighten up. So, you know, you don't put everything based off the combine. You look, you got to look at film and you got to, you know, do your, your background, your research, because some guys might have a bad combine and they're going to have a great NFL career. So, Right. Okay. Well, yeah, we just t- touched on some draft talk about three months early. <laughs> but we get ready to wrap up, man. Uh, Noah, let's let let let's get you, man. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and plug whatever you're doing where we can find you. And like I said, I do a a weekly uh, we run the North podcast about ASC North ball, man. Um, I'll get, I'll get your information and maybe you you can you can guest appear on on, on our show. For sure, yeah, I'd I'd uh, enjoy that. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter, Brown Central underscore Instagram, Brown Central, uh, and all uh, podcast platforms, uh, the Dog Check podcast, and I'd, I'd appreciate the follows. Uh, any support helps, but I really enjoyed my time here, and uh, thank you guys for having me, for sure. No, there's one thing we always do. Yeah. And I, and I forgot mm-hmm. to warn you at the beginning, which I should have. Uh, can you give us a prediction? Are you comfortable giving us a prediction for the game? Man, uh well, since weather has been a big factor, I haven't had a chance to look at the weather forecast. Uh, but I'll go like 28 18 Browns. Okay. 28 18 Browns. 
What do you think, Kevin? Oh, uh, man. Well, I told you about some of my Cleveland Brown cousins. I bet one of them 50 bucks. <laughs> and so obviously, I got to think the Steelers are going to win. I, I, I think I think it's a tight game. I think I don't think either team wins by 10, even though the Browns won by 12 the first time. We know it's because of that fumble Ruski played at the end while they got another six points. Yeah. But uh, I'd say Pittsburgh 23, Cleveland 17. Well, you're you're all you're pretty close to my, what my prediction was, my thought process. Um, I just think that that Kenny's going to have the magic this one more week. I think it's going to be a, a, a tough game. Uh, I don't think the weather. No, I don't think it's going to be a big factor. So uh, I think it's going to just, you know, really come down to execution. And, and I think that, that Pickett has, is on a roll when he wants to close this thing out. Uh, I'm going to actually go, which I think I picked against him in the first game. Uh, I don't, I might've picked them one time with Watt out because I know they don't <laughs> win without TJ Watt. But I think this game, the Steelers can, can win 23-20. Like nice. Phil Gold. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, well, Noah, again, thanks for joining us, man. Definitely. We appreciate it. Good luck. Good luck, uh, Sunday. Thank you. Um, so, okay, we're going to wrap this up. So thank you guys, everybody, for watching the Know Your Enemy podcast. Be sure to check out all the BTSC, all has the offering way of podcast on this YouTube platform, the audio platform, and the, the Behind the Steel Curtain website with a lot of great articles. And – Shannon, you got anything to say? No, just uh, thanks for tuning in, and thank you, Noah, for coming on, and and uh, good luck anytime you're not playing the Steelers. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, man, I, I, I always want to do this. I know, I know you do this on The Hangover, but go ahead and take us home, Shannon White. Oh, you want the, you want the woo? Come on, man. Yeah. Woo! Let's go Steelers. When I know that it can never really be the same. How could I move forward when I keep looking backward? I'm just standing still. How